Welcome back to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. We all experience different things in life, clearly, but one thing that is universal is going through a breakup. I know you've done it at least once, and I think we both can agree that sometimes breaking up is worse than having a broken leg. When you go through a breakup and feel like you don't know how you're going to get through it, how to tell your kids, how you're going to move on, today's guest, Sarah Davison, is the right person you want to talk to. She is the divorce coach. She's built her business out of her own heartbreak. She's made lemons out of lemonade. I had so many questions and Sarah was easy to talk to. I can see what makes her such a great coach. We talk about how a Tony Robbins seminar changed her life, what she recommends to her clients when they're in a rut and how to deal with a toxic ex. She gives a lot of really good advice on that one. She gave uh, other information on navigating all the post-breakup concerns that might come your way, including the timely issue of differing political views. Sarah also runs a breakup recovery retreat in the British countryside that sounds absolutely amazing. I could have used this in my past a couple times when I really couldn't get out of bed after a breakup. She promises to supply plenty of tissues and you get to share your stories and hopefully grow from them. So sit back, take this all in. If you've ever been going through a breakup and didn't know how to move on, or if you're currently going through one, I think you're going to find a lot of solace here and get a lot of help. So welcome to my next guest, Sarah Davison. Thank you so much for joining me on Misunderstood. So I, my first question is, do you pronounce it Sarah or is that just the American way? Is it Sarah? It's Sarah, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So even in America, we should say Sarah. If you can, but you know what? Perfect. It's cool. No, I like that. It's <laughs> it's very pretty, you know, oh, name. So, okay. I wanted to talk to you about um, where you are now. You had a very intentional path yeah. to get to where you are. Will you talk to us about that? Yeah, I mean, the journey's been incredible, to be honest, because where I am now is that I run a business which helps people all over the world mm -hmm. to cope better with any kind of breakup, heartbreak, separation, including divorce and including toxic mm -hmm. relationships. And it's something that's really close to my heart, having been through a really difficult divorce about 15 years ago mm -hmm. that I didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. And it kind of snuck up and hit me like a freight train yeah. and completely changed my whole world overnight. Right. So to be able to take that pain from going from doing, I, mean, I was a coach, I've been coaching for 15 years at mm -hmm. that point. And yeah, I, I was like on top of things. I was running things. I had a global business with my ex-husband as well. We had a son who was one. And then overnight, I found out that not only was he not in love with me anymore, but he was madly in love with somebody else. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And when you find that out, there's certain things that don't help. Like she was 12 years younger than me. Right. She was stunningly beautiful. That mm. never helps either. Mm. Um, and she was pregnant within a couple of weeks of me oh, finding wow. out. So my whole world overnight just completely changed. Yeah. Um, she was made a director of our business, which wow. was very difficult. We had almost 200 staff and we were running offices in London and Australia. And having to go back into work and carry on running the business with that situation was really tough. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I did a lot of that ugly crying on the bathroom floor. Mm-hmm. And that's something that... We've all been there, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know you've been through this as well. And it's tough yeah. when you go through those situations, especially if you don't see it coming. Yeah. So overnight, everything changed. And I did spend a couple of months in that really dark place, like really dark, yeah. thinking, can I go on? Is this for me? Who am I? It's humiliating as well. Absolutely. And it, you know, the biggest thing it affects is your self-esteem. Why me? I'm not good enough. Um, And so you really internalize. I mean, I know because I've been through it, but I can imagine in the position you're, you were in that somebody came in and basically replaced you. A a newer, shinier version, maybe because she was younger and all this stuff. And that's it. I totally got the upgrade when you saw her. I was like, oh, I get it. Right. Okay. But but what do I do? Because I'm absolutely devastated. I was still in love with him. I still wanted to be with him. And I think that unrequited love is a very hard situation to be in for anyone. And I think, you know, it's, it's one of those journeys that, you know, when you're down there, you've got a choice. And yeah. this is what I realized after a couple of months of all, you know, phoning my mom at 2 a.m. crying and, you know, not being able to sleep and not being able to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah, in some ways, I went on the divorce diet and I lost huge amounts of weight because I, I'd had my baby not long before, so I was still carrying some of that. So, you know, I lost that, but I, I wasn't eating. It wasn't healthy. Right. Um, but I decided I have a choice. You know, I was a coach and I was thinking, right, I need to get some help. Who do mm-hmm. I ask? Mm-hmm. And I quickly realized that there was so much help for, you know, if you want to stop smoking or you want to lose weight, there's loads of groups and books and so all that sort of support you can get. Mm-hmm. But for heartbreak, literally nothing. Nothing specific, apart from therapy, obviously, but that's slightly different to Although, what I And it's so interesting because that's the one thing that's universal, right? Yeah. Not everyone smokes, not everyone's an addict, but everyone has been through heartbreak. So you found this niche that everybody could kind of understand. So you said you had a background in being a life coach mm-hmm. before, a business coach. How? What, what was the you know stuff you had to go through? What was the training to actually get credentials in this kind of breakup coaching? Well, for me, I've always been really interested in personal development and all the best guys, to be honest, are over here in the in the States. Obviously, I'm from London, Mm -hmm. England. So from a really early age out of university, I started a business to fly motivational speakers from the US over to the UK. And I literally fell into it by mistake. My dad had been over in the States on work and one of his business partners has said, John, come along to this Tony Robbins event. And my dad was like, oh, okay. So he went along and when he came back to the UK, he said, Sarah, I just want to give you one last gift. You finished your education and I know that, but I just really want you to try this. Mm. So I went to, uh, it was years ago now, and I went to uh, one of Tony's events and it was small. There's only like 200 people in the audience. Now he has obviously hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. Um, And it completely changed my life. It took the blinkers off. So I got into personal development. I love the fact that we can change how we feel ourselves. Because yeah. I didn't learn that at school. At school, I was told, well, you'll probably be able to go and be a teacher or maybe an accountant. And, and I just didn't fit into any of those boxes. None mm-hmm. of it was exciting. I was like, oh, okay. So when I found this, and it was like dream big and you can create your own reality. And I was thinking, but I'm not good at anything. I was, I was pretty average at school. <laughs> and you know, what, what could I do? How could I have my own business? And then I started thinking about it and I thought, I love this self-help industry. Yeah. I'm going to fly some speakers from the States to the UK because we really had nothing mm-hmm. back then. We had Paul McKenna, who's now really big here too, but mm-hmm. that was about it. So one of Tony's speakers actually said to me, I want to do some stuff in the UK. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I came back from a Robin seminar and said to my parents, I'm going to set up my own business and I'm going to promote these Americans. And they were like, 
okay. <laughs> um, that's what I did. And it was yeah. incredible. That was a real turning point. So I trained with them all. So I've got my NLP master practitioner. Um, I've done my hypnosis training as well. I've done a lot of different training over the years. And I've pretty much read loads of the self-help books, if not all of them, um, listen to all the audio books, cassettes it was back then. Mm -hmm. And you've <laughs> and, been through it. I mean, yeah. the difference, I think, that uh, a lot of people can have the credentials and go through the schooling and the mm. training, but when you've actually been something, been through something and you can understand what people are going through, it adds a whole another oh. level of credibility to it. Um, and empathy, right? Um, so you can really take it from there. What, what do you say would make a good coach? Well, for me, and I have a training school now because my mission is to help people all over the world to cope better. So just me on my own, I realized quickly that was going to be a big job coaching uh -huh. everyone. So I started to train people to become breakup and divorce coaches. And now I think we've trained over 500 coaches in 24 different countries. So oh, we're wow. getting these tools out to so many people, um, which is, I mean, I, I, that's my passion in life. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the most important thing when I train my coaches, I'm still really involved with that. Um, is you've got to walk your talk. Mm -hmm. And I think like you said, Rachel, spot on, like you've got to have been through or, or have bring in your own personal experience. You might, your parents might have been divorced yeah. or there's something that you've been through. And, and the, the skills help you with any kind of life trauma, to be honest, yeah. but I'm honing it to break up and divorce, but how to dial down your own stress or how to dial down anger or jealousy or just that overwhelm and heartbreak, yeah. all those tools come into this. And yeah, so to be outstanding, absolutely have to walk your talk which means that when the going gets tough and you're sitting there thinking i'm just having a really bad day today it's instead of going back to your old patterns and your coping mechanisms which might be reaching for the bottle of wine or you know partying or mm -hmm. just hiding in bed or eating your feelings again is really common um what we say is this is the time to stretch and, and step up and yeah. actually use the tools so yeah it's walking your talk even when it's hard right right Okay, so let's get into the details of how this works and how to make people feel better. Um, I'm curious, do men and women deal with breakup differently? Have you noticed? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, the tools work for everybody, uh -huh. but I find, and I don't like to generalize because everybody is so different. And so we don't have a sort of one size fits all because That's everyone true. is so different. It really depends, interestingly, on what your ability to cope with stress is already. Mm -hmm. So we all have friends who, when the tiniest thing happened, fall apart. Like I was in the right. supermarket the other day and I bumped into a friend I haven't seen for ages and she's amazing. But she was so stressed, I saw I'm having such a bad day. And I was like, well, what's happened? And she said, my daughter's getting a flight and I didn't have any bread in to make her a sandwich for the trip to the airport. So I'm here trying to grab it. And I'm looking at her, I'm thinking, is is this why you're so upset? <laughs> right. Because literally, how do you get through the day? Right. Um, whereas other people can seem to take on so much mm -hmm. and deal with all sorts of grief and difficulties from their past and difficult kids or illness. And it and doesn't affect their Yeah. Their so that's, yeah. that's a real indicator, actually, for, mm -hmm. for how people are going to cope when you start putting breakup and divorce on top of that. Right. Now, I've read that you said, um, and may, it's more than you, there's been studies that heartbreak can have an effect on you physically mm. um, and emotionally, obviously. But the physical characteristics of that, what are you seeing in that? It, it can make you sick, right? Yeah. I mean, it actually, weirdly, feels like a real physical injury yeah like it feels like your heart is hurting yeah and i've always said a breakup is like worse than having a broken leg i mean it is so painful and so hard you know with a broken leg you somebody a doctor will say here's what it's going to feel like here's when it's going to end here's when it's going to mend and a broken heart you just go through so many stages but that you know that 
physical sickness is, it could really hurt people though. Oh. So talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you're so right. It actually feels like this physical injury, even though mm -hmm. it's not. And that manifests in so many different ways. It's not just gonna affect you from your sleeping. It's gonna stop you from concentrating. It's gonna affect your ability to parent. It's mm -hmm. gonna affect your ability to show up and even do basic tasks. Right. So I think we've got to look at the impact on your body because if you don't face that, then that's what you drag forward with you. And yeah. I think a lot of people, what I call stuffing, do the stuffing down of emotions. Uh -huh. And stuffing your emotions means that you're not facing it, you're just distracting away from that. Mm -hmm. But actually a lot of trauma is stored in the body. Right. So you know, often there's the sort of tsunami of stress hormones that hits you as well. And I think that's something where when you're used to the oxytocin and the dopamine of it all being amazing and being in love, mm -hmm. especially if you didn't realize this was coming, yeah. and then the next thing you're hit by all these stress hormones, that's what makes you feel sort of anxious yeah. and sluggish and pretty lousy, to be yeah. honest. So I think navigating your way through that, a lot of people just curl up and say, that's it. Whereas mm -hmm. what we need to do is actually face that and do some work. And actually, you can't think your way out of overthinking. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people try and do that. What we need to do is move our bodies. We need yeah. to change our physiology and get outside, connect with nature, start doing things that change that environment. Because as we start to move, that starts to shift how we're looking at the world. And if you can do that, and it doesn't need to be going to the gym if you're not a gym bunny, but it does need to be something that just gets you outside. Let's face it, the holidays can be a great time. You get to see family, friends, go to parties, but it can also be really busy where you feel stressed and tired. You're running around and you don't feel your best. You're not getting the vitamins and supplements you need. That's what led me to AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that could help support my entire body and covers all my nutritional bases every day. It's amazing for immune system support and tastes great. Not only did I replace my multivitamins with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes probiotics, prebiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. When I started drinking AG1 daily, it made me feel different. It showed a different energy level, that's for sure more relaxed, and I could focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. So if you've ever been interested in trying the product, AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm excited to partner with them. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash misunderstood. That's drinkag one dot com slash misunderstood and check it out. Well, and to what you're saying, you're, to your point, so many people get stuck. I know for me, I've been stuck. Like, you know, you're in a bad relationship and we don't even need to just talk about divorce. It's just breakups yeah, in general, yeah. right? But you're, people don't know when the end is the end. And so many people are stuck. It could be for weeks or years. Yeah. And is it the right time to leave this person? And then there's so many makeups and breakups and, you know, back and forth. And that takes a toll too. I mean, I've been in that position where I don't feel like I can parent. I can't focus on anything in front of me. It's consuming me in my head. And so that's that brings me to my next question about, you know, 
when do we know that it's time? I mean, obviously there are relationships, especially marriages, that you want to try and make it work for the for the sake of the kids or whatever. But they're also, you know, I meet plenty of people that are like, oh, I stayed married for the sake of the kids. I am a product of two parents that are divorced. If my parents stayed married, that would have been the biggest disaster in my life. But I know a lot of adults think they should stay for the kids. What's your thought on that? Well, I mean, I think that if you're staying for the kids, you've got to be very aware of what you're teaching them, of what yeah. marriage and love is. Right. Because we are their role models, whether we like it or not, whether we're trying to hide it yeah. or put on a great smiley and face. And they see everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And they hear everything. Even yeah. when you're whispering to your friend with the bathroom door shut, they're still going to pick up on that. Right. Even when their babies energetically, they pick up on how you're feeling. Right. Um, so I think it's... I know it comes from a good place saying we want to stay together for the True. kids. Uh -huh. But in my experience, kids growing up in that unhealthy dynamic yeah. where they're learning that marriage means potentially, you know, not sleeping in the same room or not being kind to each other. Mm -hmm. Or it's OK to just speak in an unfiltered way and express all the negatives about your partner, put them down, be unkind. Right. Is or that the cheating that goes and the along cheating. with it. Yeah. Absolutely, the betrayal and just, oh, no, everything's fine. Because mm. we're teaching our kids then, if you're saying, well, I know they cheated, but I'm staying anyway, that that's okay to tolerate yeah. that bad behavior. So there are boundaries about what is acceptable behavior. And what love is. And what love is is, is completely yeah. skewed from maybe the ideal healthy way of looking at that kind yeah, of relationship. Yeah, I agree. There are a lot of people tends to be women, but I don't think it's always women, that stay for financial reasons. They feel like they've been in this relationship, they've been taken care of, they maybe are raising the kids, or maybe they're just in a financial situation where it's comfortable, but the relationship is abusive or not comfortable. They're just, but they stay because they don't have any options. They think they haven't been in the workforce for many years. How are they going to get a job? You know, how are they going to be their own person without the other one, right? Mm. What would your suggestion be for people that are stuck in those situations? I see this all the time, Rachel. And it yeah. is really sad because sometimes it is very difficult to leave because of financial reasons. Mm -hmm. Or your life is going to change so much if you do that, you know, you've got to weigh up the pros and cons. And I work with clients to not jump into it just because of the emotional in that moment, I'm leaving, that's it. Mm -hmm. I always say, let's get a plan. Let's get your ducks in a, in a row and let's work out financially, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And let's look at the future because just jumping, I mean, there's going to be situations like in some abusive relationships where maybe it's not safe to stay. And mm -hmm. that's a, that I'm not talking about those because right. in that case, you need to get the right help from your, you know, your community mm -hmm. support services for domestic abuse. But if it's a relationship where you're just yeah, unhappy and it's not for you, don't rush into making those decisions because it can be a planning process. And you don't have to, you know, when you've got a plan, you start to feel a bit more in control. When you yeah. start to have that confidence and more certainty about your future, it becomes more tolerable to stay whilst you're doing that. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily something that you would share with your partner, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's something that is for you to start thinking about. Let's look at what the future looks like. We'd never leave our house in the morning without knowing where we were going, right? Because, right. Well, you wouldn't know whether you got there or not, really. Right. So we don't want to jump out of a marriage without knowing what that looks like. So most people will say to me, it either looks like a black hole mm -hmm. or a blank canvas. Mm. And what we have to do, and, and that's what I do as a coach and my coaches do, is to either shine a light into that black hole or put some color on the canvas. So it gives you a focus of where you've yet to go right. and what that looks like. I love the holiday season, buying presents, lots of events, celebrations, but it can be hard to eat healthy when you're so busy running around with a million things to do. Thankfully, I found Factor. 
America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. You can get chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and eat nutritious meals all while living your best life. Factor is great for everyday meals. No prep time. You, you can skip the grocery store line, which means you don't have to worry about making sure you have all the correct ingredients. They take care of all of that for you. And Factor is fresh, never frozen. And the meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat and enjoy. With over 35 plus weekly meal choices, you will never get bored. And now Factor is offering gourmet plus options for the holidays. I love that. So you can level up and do something even more special. Premium ingredients prepared to perfection by their chefs. And if you're looking for calorie conscious options over the holidays, they've really got you covered. Dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 5,500 calories per serving. They've got something really for everyone. So head to factormeals.com slash understood 50 and use code understood 50 to get 50% off. That's right. 50% off. That's code understood 50 at factormeals.com slash understood 50 to get 50% off. Enjoy. And to possibly remind them of, of things that they like that they may have lost along the way. I mean, I know from friends that have gone through this and from me, when you're in a relationship, sometimes you forget yourself. You forget what you like. You forget what you can do alone and what makes you happy. And I think that's a really good piece of advice to say to people, okay, you have to find things that you're okay with doing alone or who cares if no one else likes it. This is you and this is what's going to make you happy without that other person. And that is exactly what this work is all about. It's about rediscovering your identity, who you are, what makes you tick, what you love, what you're passionate about, what lights you up. Now, it may not be the things that you used to do because Mm -hmm. when I came out of my divorce, I was like, you know what? I used to love rollerblading. Mm -hmm. And in London, we have a park called Hyde Park and there's loads of those really cool rollerbladers that kind of whiz around. I thought, well, I was never that good. I had like (laughs) roller skates. So I thought, I'm going to get a pair of rollerblades. I'm going to go back. So I did that and I got my little rucksack with my rollerblades and I was like off I went I had lessons but I got fired from the lessons on lesson four because I was so scared of breaking my wrist or something because I had a baby at home and I was like how am I going to look after him and so sometimes the things you think when you go back I used to love that maybe they're not going to finish your lifestyle that many years later right of course yeah he fired me and we're still friends but it was a little bit embarrassing so (laughs) (laughs) that's hysterical um what would be your thoughts on separating from a difficult partner? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've heard some celebrities like um, Gwyneth Paltrow talk about, you know, how they're making intentional separations. I forget the word that they use. Conscious uncoupling. Con- there yeah, you go, yeah. yes. Which seems like something that is a fantasy. I mean, if you're getting a divorce, <laughs> you probably don't like the other person. But we can get into that if you want, if <laughs> yeah, you think absolutely. that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, but but on the other side of that question mm. then is, how do you deal with difficult partners? Because for the most part, you're dealing with someone difficult if you're separating. Yeah, yeah. And I think you speak like someone who's been there, so yeah. I get it. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> um, I mean, conscious uncoupling, if you can do it, great. Mm-hmm. I think behind the scenes of that, though, there's often a lot more pain than people see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, you know, one person in my experience is always a bit further down the line than the other person so you know if you are able to go on holiday with your ex great and absolutely it's great for the kids and wonderful but yeah I termed the phrase aggressively severing which is kind of the other end which is definitely what I did and Mm so that's um really tough you Mm -hmm. know when you're going through that divorcing or separating from someone that's toxic well first of all the first thing is it's not your fault if you were in a toxic or abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. it's not your fault. 
Most of my clients think it is when they leave. That's the first bit. They're broken because the toxic relationship is designed to undermine you, your confidence, your self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is, is to sort of nurture that and give them the hope to rebuild that and show them how. I think when you're leaving a toxic relationship, safety has to come into that. Mm -hmm. And I think having a good support team around you of people that really understand what that is. Mm -hmm. Because the coercive control, emotional abuse is very difficult to understand unless you've been in a relationship with mm -hmm. that. It's quite, it's quite hard to spot. And for people that haven't experienced, they might say, well, they were just having a bad day. You know, maybe you're exaggerating a bit. But also, you know, the triggers that might set off anxiety for you are going to be there for a while. So we need to look at those and help you to navigate those. I would say you've got to be careful about the team you build around you so that the people really do understand that as a mm -hmm. toxic relationship. And again, planning before you leave, making sure you and the kids are going to be safe is, is key. But then once you're out of that, the interesting thing is physically you're living in a different place. Yeah. Great. And people say, oh, well, it'll get better. No. Mm -hmm. If you're divorcing a toxic partner, post-separation abuse is something that's really misunderstood. And it quite often accelerates after you leave the partner mm. because they're losing control over you, which is what they need to, to exist. Mm -hmm. And that's their oxygen. So as you pull away, they're trying to find ways to hook you back in or hoover you back in mm -hmm. is the term. So what we want and to maybe sorry, just to clarify, that's not always to keep you in the relationship. It's just to have control over you. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well done for clarifying that. Yeah, it's it's to have that control. It's really hard to let go unless they've got somebody else, in which case they may still be happier for you to go, which is quite often the case mm -hmm. because they don't like to be on their own. But if you get out and you're trying to move on, they're not going to want you to be happy. Mm. So divorcing a healthy partner is about coming to some kind of fair compromise at the end of the day yeah divorcing a toxic partner is about them trying to cause maximum suffering and pain and it's pretty much about annihilation yeah. so that control from being a general everyday thing because you're not there so much will be targeted on kids and finances because they know that's where it's going to hit you yeah. the hardest and cause most pain right. so again working with people that really understand that and the effects of the distraction techniques when you're trying to go through the legal process or the emotional control just from a, a look can trigger clients so again we've really got to understand you know, my, my tools for this, I created because I needed them. Mm -hmm. And when I went through it, I was like, okay, I really need to find a way that I can manage this and dial down these emotions. I know I can control how I feel. We can all control how we react. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's easy, but there are things you can do to take your control back and dial down those negative emotions. But the thing with toxic partners is if you understand the game they're playing, and a lot of people don't like that term game, but whether we like it or not, we are playing a game. They're playing it and we're in it. So right. unless you learn the rules and right. master them and you're two steps ahead, you're gonna be moved around that board like a pawn. So right. we want you to understand that. And then and you're just gonna constantly be on the defense because you just react to everything. Yeah. yeah, so we want you to learn the rules and then be two steps ahead right. because then you can see what they're doing. And this is really powerful because not living with them, you're not physically living in the same place. Mm -hmm. But emotionally, what I find is most of my clients are still renting a lot of space to their ex. Mm -hmm. So you're not emotionally dissociated at all. So it's almost like they're still in that relationship. So the way to dial that down is by understanding the game and then looking at what they're doing tactically. So when something comes in like a nasty email or they let you down with pickup times for the kids or they're messing you around, you take what I've designed as a gameplay checklist, which is a list of all their behaviors. So we can look and see, okay, instead of me diving into the rabbit hole of the process of 
why are they doing this? Right. This is awful. I've told them not to do that or right. this is unkind. You go, right, what is the tactic? Oh, it's confusion. It's being unkind. It's right. lying. And you just tick the boxes so you don't get emotionally into that scenario. Right. It's interesting that you say this because I can see this spinning in my head for what I've gone through. I've been divorced ah. for 10 years. Yeah. But it's still the process of when I get an email or a text. I know now if they've had if he's had a bad day because I can tell that he's, you know, usually I'll get this firing of all sorts of things and I'll be like, did someone throw you down the stairs today? Like, what <laughs> are you trying to take out on me? Like, it's crazy, but now I've started to see it. But it's interesting, 10 years later, you know, there have been times when I find that it affects my whole day, yeah. the interaction, because it throws me off. And I'm like, how could someone someone be so mean? How could they be such a horrible co-parent? How could they blame me for things? How could they be so in my business when, like, I haven't been with this person for 10 years, you know? And it can really affect you. Even if you think that you're above it, it could still, you know, create a ripple in all your everyday activities unless you are, like you're saying, one step ahead or you know yeah. the game they're playing so you don't react. I'm yeah. very reactionary. I fire that text off within two seconds when it comes and, you know, thinking that I'm winning, but then it just goes back oh, and forth. there's always and another then, level for them, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, but that's totally normal, Rachel. Just be yeah. reassured, that is the normal reaction to this. But when you're saying, well, the thought patterns you go into with those things, they're the rabbit holes I'm talking about. Yeah. So by just going, okay, What's that? What do they want? Because mm -hmm. it's a game. So it's like, what do they want? Where do they want me to go here? What's the reaction they want from me to feed yeah. the next nasty message? So it's like, okay, how do I just pour cold water on this? Right. Which is you taking your power back. Uh -huh. and, and it's something that's really, well, seems really difficult to do with someone that's all controlling. Right. But you can take your power back by understanding the rules of the game. Right. And then going, ah, I see what you're doing. You're not as clever as you think because I know what's right. coming. You're textbook. They're all textbook. They yeah. all follow the same patterns. So it's like, okay. And then by you not going into those rabbit holes, you are winning. And yeah. that's that's how you take your control back and move on from well, them. Well, I'm curious how you think somebody should respond to something like that. Some of my friends are like, just ignore him. Mm -hmm. Some of my friends are like, um, you know, oh, kill him with kindness. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not in a stage for either one of those. I like <laughs> to be confrontational anyway, so... You know, that's I'm quick to respond. I'm not somebody who would just ghost somebody. I just can't do it. Yeah. Physically cannot yeah. do it. I have a lot to say. Yeah. And I want to get it off my yeah. chest. Um, and but killing them with kindness when for 10 years it's been someone who has not treated me well. Mm -hmm. There's no shot I have it in me either to be like, <laughs> oh, OK, you're having a bad day. I hope you're, you know, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, to yeah. I just can't do that either. Yeah. So what would your suggestion be for someone like me, who I think is a lot of people I know, yeah. that like just don't know how to react the right way? What, what would you do? I mean, I, I totally get you because that's exactly my reaction mm -hmm. and being disingenuous with someone that's doing things that are just not forgivable, that are just not okay. Yeah. It's really difficult. However, you've got to decide what you want from this because right. if you engage with them, you're giving energy to that to that situation, right. which will only come back and create more negativity and drain your energy and take that away from all the great things that you have going on in your life right, right, right now, right? right? That's so, so true. So it's like, 
you've got to make the decision of being disingenuous to just shut it down. So all that energy and what you've got to say can go into something positive that's actually going to make a difference mm -hmm. and maybe have a more positive result. Because one thing you can bank on, if their lips are moving, their fingers are typing, they want something from you. Yeah. And if it's a reaction, just to make sure that you're emotionally engaged with them still and they can still pull your strings, do you want to give your power to them and confirm to them, oh yeah, still got her on the end of a string. I know what no. I do. Right. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to play the game. And I know how hard that is, believe mm -hmm. you me. But it's actually really rewarding when you can do it, especially mm -hmm. when it goes against your natural thing, but it, it's so hard. And I really don't like the fact that we have to be disingenuous, I think. I think well, it it's just relearning patterns, probably, yeah. right? So instead of doing those things, it's to relearn how to yeah. engage with somebody who's a narcissist or toxic or just, you know, with somebody who you should you wouldn't be friends with unless you shared kids with them. Absolutely or not, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> How much do you know about the family court system in America? I mean, that to me, because um, I've been through it mm. on and off for a long time, um, I don't find it to be a very fair system. I don't think it, um, you know, puts kids first. I think it's, you know, very difficult. Um, so I want to know your opinion on it, but also I want to know from you if you think it's better to try and work out things in a mediation or if you think it's really important to go to court and fight it out. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I... I'm, because I have, I'm a survivor of a toxic, abusive relationship, mm -hmm. I campaign a lot, having been dragged through the UK, British family courts. Um, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed for my podcast a lot of people that talk about these kind of things because mm -hmm. it's something that's very close to my heart and like you, it makes me really angry yeah. that the system isn't as it should be. Right. Um, you know, I'm not a legal expert, I don't give legal advice, but what I do know is that as someone that's been dragged through the courts many, many times, it is a weapon used yeah. for, you know, empathetic people or maybe victims of abuse who are coming out of toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. And because there's so many conflicts of interest and there's not enough training or even any in some cases, all over the states is the same. Australia has the same. The UK mm -hmm. has the same. Um, and in you know, it, in a lot of these countries, we're facing a, a huge scandal of children being handed over to toxic exes because there's not enough education of what's going on. Right. So I think. Yeah, that's something that's something that definitely needs to Who, change. Who, by the way, are not concerned about the well-being of the child. They just want to hurt their other, their former spouse. Uh, absolutely, yeah. and there's so much research that's been done in the UK about you know if um, a, a victim of abuse is alleges abuse in a divorce case, mm -hmm. then this argument of alienating behaviours will be turned against them. Which is when you know if the child doesn't want to see the other parent, yeah, um, then obviously that is a big issue, yeah. and it needs to be because you know it is healthier for children to have both parents in their lives. Absolutely, sure. I'm absolutely for that if it's safe to do so. Mm -hmm. But the checks on is it safe to do so are obviously a little bit difficult to ascertain sometimes. So this is a, an issue that's going on. We need more support. We need experts in domestic abuse in those cases so they can carefully protect both mm -hmm. sides if needed. Right. Speaking about kids, what do you think is the best way for couples to discuss breaking up with their kids? Well, if it's a healthy relationship, together if you can, mm -hmm. and agree it in advance, definitely sit down and say, okay, before we sit there and talk to the kids, let's talk about you know what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't overpromise. You know, nothing's going to change. Things are going to change. Mm -hmm. But depending on the age of the kids, you know, younger kids especially will take their lead from you. Yeah. So if you're going into it saying, look, yes, there's going to be some change, but look, you're going to have two bedrooms. You mm -hmm. get two Christmases. You get, you know, I always used to say to my son that Father Christmas comes twice mm -hmm. if you're divorced. So you get two lots of presents, which was great until we were in the school playground. And I was sitting talking to one of the dads and his son came out and goes, 
why don't I get two Christmases like Sarah Sundance? <laughs> and he was like, what? Because they recently divorced and he was only getting one Christmas. Yeah. He said, Santa comes twice and you haven't booked it in with a daddy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, kids will take their lead and there's so many positives from mm -hmm. it. And also there's research that shows that kids who've been through some kind of um, difficulty in their childhood, not I'm not talking extreme abuse mm -hmm, or real mm -hmm. poverty, but you know, have been through some adversity mm -hmm. and they have a role model to show them how to cope with that, actually get through life um, and make better decisions because they've understood that sometimes life doesn't work out the way that we want it to. Yeah. And if parents can step up as role models, even if it's just one, you don't need both for this. If you've got one stable parent showing the child that actually, yeah, it is tough and not hiding those emotions because if you do, you're teaching them to hide their emotions. So we're saying, look, yeah, mom, dad, we're upset, but look what I'm doing to cheer myself up. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I'm big on my coaches passing on to their, the kids of anyone that we coach is that there are coping mechanisms. And now if you look at the rising rate in the US and the UK all over the world of teenage suicide, mm -hmm. it's because their coping mechanisms tend to come back to you know, self-harm, suicide even, drugs, you know, or bullying online, all those kind of things, yeah. rather than how to cheer yourself up, you know, internally, like, you know, putting a smile on your face. Um, interesting story, my son was in the playground and he had a friend, Charlie, they were playing tag, and Charlie fell over and he grazed his knee and he started crying. And my son was like, come on, Charlie, let's carry on playing. Just do the thing that cheers you up. And um, we were driving back from school that day and he said, Mummy, I said it to him and he looked at me and he said, well, I don't know what that is. He said, so I said, well, stand up, put your shoulders back, put a big smile on your face. And if that doesn't work, five star jumps, go. Aww. And he did it and he looked at me and he said, that really works, wow. And my son looked at me, he goes, Mummy, he didn't even know how to do that. Yeah. And I was like, why aren't we teaching this stuff to kids? Yeah. Because if they had more healthy coping mechanisms, like, mm. you know, if you're feeling down, get outside, you know, go yeah. and get connect with nature or move your body or change the questions in your head to be yeah. more empowering. It, those things at school that kids absorb these things like sponges, right? Right. And then when they get older, they can deal with those tough times so much better. Right. And I love what you're saying. Your, your son is adorable. Um, but what's interesting, too, is I think so many people, so many women that I know will go home, have their new home their, with their child and just be depressed. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I think is really hard for kids. You know, I think people really have to remember how much kids internalize stuff yeah. and that when at least you can act that like this was a good thing, this is going to be good eventually. It's really helpful to ki for kids to get into that place to know like what you're talking about, that things will get better, that you can find a happy place out of it. But every time you act depressed or angry and speak negatively about your ex, yeah. I think that really takes a toll. And then later on, you know, you see that child starting to use those same words. Absolutely. And that's really devastating. Yeah. yeah. Um, for we the kid, empower. but also for yourself, you know, to hear those words that your ex called you coming from your child is really toxic. Yeah. <laughs> and can create all sorts of problems. Um, I'm curious about, um, in this day and age, it's not only about your relationship that kids can see, but how would you deal with um, separating parents who are dealing with opposing political views? For example, um, you know, I, uh, I have a friend, let's say, <laughs> who has an ex-husband who is very pro-Trump. 
you know, didn't believe COVID existed, thought masks made everybody sick, thinks that Joe Biden should be in jail, um, you know, and then, you know, the mother um, is just more liberal and just believes, you know, that, you know, things that seem very normal, but, mm. you know, and not even putting any of that on the child. But every time the child would come home from the um, ex-spouse's house, it would be, oh, mom, I'm not wearing a mask like during COVID or, oh, mom, you know, Joe Biden's a criminal or are you a Republican <laughs> or a, a Democrat? You know, and this is not what a six or seven year old should be saying. What would you say to parents who are not only just having problems personally with each other, but are facing different political views? Yeah, and that's a really good point because unfortunately we can't control what anyone else does, right. what they say or their actions. So mm -hmm. trying to change that just don't waste your time with that. Right. So we've got to refocus on what can we control? And that's always the question. You know, well, if this feels like it, I'm out of control, let's ask ourselves, what can I control with this? Well, you can control what happens in your house and the values right. and your boundaries, your morals um, that you create in your own home. Mm -hmm. And children, especially at that young age, will learn by, you know, when I'm at, at one parent's, it's like this. When I'm at the other parent's, it's like this. And they'll see the, you know, that they'll learn from what they see and experience. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to, to, so combat it by going into it. So you have to kind of go around the houses. So yeah. if it's uh, difficult view, different views or different behaviors, it's like in our house, this is how it works. So okay. there's no shouting, there's no bullying, there's no being unkind. Bedtime is at this time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And learning that you can't do that, but hopefully with your strong influence on mm -hmm. them, just how you do things and the people you bring into your home and the people you surround with, they'll see as they grow up. They yeah. always find you know who the rock is, who the stable parent is. They'll always gravitate to that. Right. I think, and and we can worry a lot about those things, but unfortunately, that's something that we can't control what's going on on the other side. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, I want to get like three tangible tips mm -hmm. for people that are trying to get from heartbreak to happiness. Okay. What would you suggest they can do? Yeah, good question. So first one would be, you know, I think you touched on this earlier as well about um, feeling stuck. Mm -hmm. And if you are feeling stuck, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, it might be that you're telling your story over and over again. Mm. There's a lot of us, if we're honest, that did that or are doing that. Of course, yeah. And it's not just to our friends. It might be the hairdresser right. or the nail technician. And no one wants to hear that, by the way. <laughs> I know it's consuming a lot of us, but no one else cares. Yeah, no one else really does. <laughs> so that is one thing. We need to stop telling that story still have one or two people that are constructive that are helping you and not feeding that for yeah. you but then let's change that narrative to what you're going to do differently and what exciting things are coming up in your life because that shifts your focus mm. and it still enables your friends and your support team who want to be there and listen maybe feel they're not being a good friend if they don't ask you it gives them a different topic to focus on and helping yeah. you move forward is going to be more key um, if you haven't got closure, this is one of the things I see all the time. People want to go back to their ex to get the closure. Mm. And they're saying, until I know why, I can't move on. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the interesting thing here is the person that hurt you can never be the person to heal you. That person is you and you alone. So we have to start looking for how we get our closure. And mm. the closure is their lack of accountability, their lack of kindness, their lack of respect, their lack of empathy, their lack of ability to keep your heart safe is your closure. Mm. So if you have any of those negative things that have happened with them, that is the reason to say that is not acceptable behavior in my world. I won't tolerate that. I am worth more. Mm. And then focusing your energy on not getting the closure, but how you build your self-worth so you know that you deserve more. Right. So that would be something I would definitely suggest. I love that. 
And again, uh, you know, like I said, you can't think your way out of overthinking. And if you are in that stage, that also keeps you stuck. So getting outdoors, moving, coming up with something that's going to take you out of your comfort zone, Mm -hmm. maybe not the rollerblading thing, but do something a bit different that's going to push you outside of your comfort zone. Meet new people. Don't be afraid to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, moving, taking deep breaths, getting outside. Self-care is something that so many people are thinking is a bad thing Mm -hmm. a lot of people think self-care is selfish right but it's not it's what we need it's like putting your oxygen mask on on the airplane before you put your kids on when you first do that people are like oh no i'm going to look after my child first then you realize well if if you can't be there then no one's helping your child so all about looking after you taking time out being kind running that bath taking those minutes out Mm -hmm. not just rushing for everything so investing in you to rebuild your strength and your health and your mental well-being will then enable you to make some of those bigger decisions and make better decisions in the long run. Right. A lot of what you're saying um, answers this. But what about these people that um, cannot let go, that are having a really hard time letting go of their ex? I mean, they could take baths, they can go to the gym, they can try and go out with other people, but their ex is on their mind. Mm. I've been in that position. It's really hard to let go sometimes Mm. because you, um, you you remember only the good. You know, yeah. and you forget why you're in the position to be in the breakup. I mean, for me, my answer would be time. I mean, it's time and then realizing, well, wait a minute, that sort of wasn't as great as I thought. Or, you know, yeah, I have the whole weekend free now, but like I can find other things. It's so for me, it was time and understanding that there are other things out there. And then later on, I'll look back and say, I don't even know how I was in love with that person. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous, yeah. you know, so you need the time to get away from it. But is there a more clinical answer to that? Yeah, well, I think you can definitely fast track that. And time is a good healer. Mm-hmm. Always. And I think you can look back and and see those things easily. But there are things you can do to fast track that. And that's what a lot of my work is, is doing that personal development journey. Mm. If you come out of a relationship and you're still focusing on your ex and you're trying to move forward, it means you need to go in inside and start thinking about you. Because if your focus is on your ex, it's like driving your car. If you're focusing on the rear view mirror, you're not going to go anywhere or you're going to crash. What we want to do is take that focus off your ex and shift it onto you. And that might be having both hands on your head and like wrenching it around and continuously doing that. But, you know, when I work with people, we set up reminders and pattern interrupts around their home. Like on your mobile phone, uh, what's your ringtone? Like mine is happy by Pharrell because when it goes off, that just reminds me, Okay, what am I happy about? Writing a list of all the things that didn't work in your relationship is really important to take those rose-tinted glasses off, like you said. Really important, yeah. Yeah, because we're kind of programmed exactly as you said, to think about all the good things, the things we're missing out on, but there's reasons why that relationship didn't work. So we've really got to face the reality rather than the fairy tale that we create in our head, especially with toxic relationships. You fall in love with someone that never really existed. Mm. It's a perception of someone to hook you in, but then the behavior never really matches up to that for long. It kind of might do for a bit to hook you back in. So again, understanding that the person maybe you fell in love with never really existed is quite tough, but that actually helps you unhook from those feelings. Right. And don't you think it's true that most people date in patterns? I mean, they will continually date the same type of person, but just in a different body. So how would you suggest for people who are already having a hard time because they're breaking up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
why, how do they break these patterns and date the right person? Such a good question. I wish all my clients would ask me this. <laughs> it's like we have to learn the lessons and bank them because mm. life has a really funny way of teaching us the same lessons over and over and right. over again until we go, okay, I get it. I get yeah. it. I've banked it. So it's about looking back. And that's some of the work that we do is like looking back and saying, okay, it's not just what you want from a partner because most of us pretty much know tall, dark, handsome, blonde, blue eyes. We know what we're attracted to physically mm -hmm. and sort of the easy what we want from someone. But what do you need? Yeah. What you need is so important to work out. Is it someone that's emotionally intelligent that can really get you or someone that's got your back? You know, what is it for you that you've learned mm -hmm. that you didn't have in the last relationship? And then building up your ideal partner picture, even if you don't want to go straight into dating, it just filters out a lot of the things you don't want. And I always say, create your safety nets with dating. So have a list of up to five must not haves. So these mm. are deal breakers, especially if like you and me have been in a toxic relationship. Like very red like flags it. or just things you don't want anymore because you've been through it? Depending on what your history is, but if it's uh, toxic, definitely the red flags to yeah. look out for. So maybe lies or being unkind or being rude. Right. Anything like that where if it came up in the moment, you might go, I can change him. I think when he gets to know me, it's going to be totally oh, different, yeah, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> he doesn't know me, but that was with them. It wasn't with me. So with me, I think it will be different. So this is where we get them to, we get people to really look at five must not haves and commit to the fact that if those show up, their parachute is deployed and they're exiting the relationship without the, oh, maybe next time, right. or maybe he was having well, a bad Well, they're putting time. their worth first, right? That Absolutely. they're finally saying, you know, these are the things I said I wasn't gonna go back to yeah. and I shouldn't. And also things that might not be red flags, but things that you that are really important to you. Like, I know I like, I want to date someone who has kids yeah. because they've been through it, they get it. I like doing family stuff together, yeah. that's important to me. So, you know, I should know that that is a must have. It's not yeah. a red flag by any means yeah, yeah. that they don't have kids or they've never been married but I prefer men that have done that before because yeah. it shows that they like commitment they've tried yes. it they know what it's about and it might not have been with the right person but mm -hmm. they can figure it out again yeah. right so there are things like that that to me and also how you feel around somebody because I think so many people are putting too much of an effort on like do I look good are they attracted to me how do they see me how important am I to them as opposed to well you know, how do they make me feel? Do I feel good about myself? Am I, am I constantly fidgeting because I don't feel pretty enough for them? Or yeah. do I feel dumb? I mean, I think it's so important to put your worth ahead Absolutely. of everything. That is a really great comment because so many people are waiting to be picked. Yeah. And what we need to learn is to be the person that makes that decision. It's like, well, I choose you. Yeah. I choose you. Now, if you don't choose me, maybe it's the little package of love that I come in or the way it's packaged up is a great gift, but it's not for you. It's the wrong door right now. Right. I'm going to come back and I'm going to try it with somebody else. It's not a reflection of your self-worth if someone doesn't want to be in that relationship with you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people take it super personally and say, well, there's something wrong with me because they don't want to be with me. But actually sometimes people's, if people's wounds are are greater than their ability to love. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different types of attachment that where people are scared of intimacy, scared of commitment. Mm -hmm. You have the secure attachment, which if you like someone, you're gonna go for it. You're gonna get stuck into that relationship and give it your best, even though you know maybe it won't work, but you're gonna give it your best. Mm -hmm. You've got the anxious uh, attachment style who uh, you know, need a lot of reassurance. Like, do you like me? Am, am I okay? Yeah. Are we on the right path? Is this good? They're the ones that are probably going to do the stalking on the social mm -hmm. media and see where yeah. you are. 
And then you've got the avoidance. And usually due to childhood traumas, they are scared of intimacy. They are scared of that commitment. Mm -hmm. So again, look at the type of person you're attracting and say, is this what I want? Because if you're in a relationship with someone who can never fully commit and is not emotionally available, maybe that's not the right person for you to be with. If it makes you anxious to be with them because you don't know if it's hot and cold, mm -hmm. then that's something that maybe you need to be aware of. So really getting that clarity on what you want from the partner and not being afraid to assert your boundaries. Yeah. Asserting your boundaries can be tough, it can be difficult, but it feels so good when right. you actually do it. People don't do it because they're scared of being alone, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you want to be with the right person. Yeah. And to go back to what we were talking about before, being in the position of being the, the one that's saying, who am I going to pick? As yeah. opposed to, oh my God, who's going to pick me? Am I ever going to be picked? You can only be in that position through experience. Mm -hmm. You can only really sit in that moment when you're like, okay, I've been through it. I know what I don't like. I know how hard it is to go through heartbreak. I know what it's like to lose myself. So I think a lot of people get in a bad position where they're like, well, I'm dating somebody new and it, that one didn't work and I keep repeating, you know, and trying new things. But that's what dating is. Like, you're not supposed to find the love of your life the first person you date. So <laughs> I think it's also okay to know that you can date people and try and always end those in an amicable way. But like, try people on for size and see what w works. Yeah. But like, you should realize it's okay to have been through it because it's the only way that you're going to be able to assert those boundaries and yeah. really mean them. Yeah. You know, because you know the experience that yeah, goes with it. So many people date the same type. Yeah. And if it's not working for you, we've got to wake up and go, this isn't working for me. I need to try something different. Yeah. And try that and then see where that goes. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good point that we need to, you know, expand our comfort zone and just if it, what you're doing isn't working, try something different. Um, I want to hear all about your retreat because I'm kind of obsessed with the idea that you can go on a retreat. Do you get all sorts of people that are just broken? They're sobbing. They're like, I don't know what to do with myself. And they come to you and it's like three days of like getting them to run down the street being like, Woo! like, <laughs> tell me all about it. I'm obsessed. Yeah, yeah. It's a two day retreat. So okay. I usually do it over a weekend. And I have this beautiful country manor house in the UK in British countryside. Uh -huh. She's absolutely stunning because the energy of the environment really helps. Adam, the staff are super friendly. And the first day they come in and it's all me. So I do all the training on these days and the, they walk in and they can see there's tissues on the table yeah. and they're thinking, oh my goodness. And we get all different types of people. Sure. So this, you know, what the tools that we teach for Heartbreak are for every human on the planet. It doesn't matter how old you are, what gender or your preferences, background, doesn't matter. So we get, you know, I had a pop star from LA who was in her early 20s. I had a, a guy in his 70s whose wife has left him when he'd retired and oh. then everything in between, you know. So, um, and when you, I mean, I've run so many of these now, you, know, you always get these sort of people sitting around the table on the first day, very quiet, very closed down. There's always one that's like, I want to tell my story more than others, you know, yeah. because different people have different ways of coping with things. A lot of exes don't like the fact they're there. Sometimes you might get calls from the exes while they're there. But what we do is day one is, and I put the tissues out there because I want them to know this is, a, this is we've got to get some of that negative yeah. stuff out before you, I can create space for me to give you all the good stuff. Of course. Yeah. So the day one in the morning, there's a bit of crying. There's a bit of facing some of those negative situations and a lot of letting go of some of those things. And I have different tools I use to sort of get it from your head onto paper and we get rid of that. Right. So we sort of destroy, we have a shredder, we shred things. Um, and then in the afternoon, I start building up some of those positive tools. It's 
incredible what you can do in two days with mm -hmm. these tools. It's fast tracking that transformation. It's empowering people with a toolkit that can really enable them to take their power back, change how they feel and let them know. Most people don't know that you can control how you feel. Yeah. Most people live in reaction like, well, they've done this, yeah. so I feel this. Mm -hmm. And what I say is actually, yeah, and that's a normal reaction, but you can dial that down. Mm -hmm. And even dialing from a 10 to an eight means you can get out of bed. Maybe you can take the kids to school. If you turn that eight to a five, you can probably work in quite a good way. You can probably be quite productive. And then I can show you how to dial that right down. Yeah. So again, it's not a magic wand, unfortunately. You can't get rid of all the pain, but definitely by the end of the two days, the transformations, people look younger, the friendships that are formed from people that are like, I would never stop and speak to you right, on the street. Right, of course. Yeah, because we've shared so much, you know, and I share and we all kind of bond. And then towards the end of the, the second day, we're doing a lot of that future planning for that blank canvas or that, that black hole. We're filling that with color and we're yeah. creating that vision board for the future. Um, have music pumping, people are dancing, you know, hugging. It. It's just amazing. So, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, I think it's so fantastic that people have that as an opportunity to do that. I am not dating anybody, but if I do and then break up, I'm going to yeah, come to your come. retreat. Absolutely. We'd love to have it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, last question. Um, what are the most misunderstood, or give me one misunderstood thing about breaking up? Well, I think people think that that's it and it's overwhelming and that's just ruined part of their life. I right. hear so many people saying, well, they've ruined my life now because it's I'm not getting the fairy tale ending that I dreamed of. Right. And what I say is you can absolutely go through the breakup if you deal with it. We have to grieve. It's like the second most traumatic experience we go through in life after death of a loved one. Mm -hmm. You're going to go through that grief cycle, but that's healthy to do that and healthy to come out the other side. And you can go on to be even happier, more confident, stronger than ever before and, right. and create a life you're really excited to live. Right. And I think it's important to remember that Everyone has gone through one. If they haven't been divorced, they've at least gone through a breakup Absolutely. with a loved one. And there's always an opportunity for a second chance, for a second chapter. And I think that that should give people hope to know that it's, what, like you're saying, it's not the end. It's not the end of your story. It can be the beginning of a new one that could Absolutely. be even more exciting because yeah. you, you're a different person at this point in your life than you were before. Um, okay, where can people find you if they want to go to a retreat, if they want to read one of your books? I also, let's mention your your two books. You have The Split, um, Breakup to Breakthrough in 30 Days or Less, which, by the way, is interesting to me because I remember, let's say a decade ago, maybe not a decade, but seven or eight years ago, somebody gave me during a breakup a book that said 30 days or less to get your boyfriend back. Oh. So I think it's interesting <laughs> that, that you have a book that actually lets people <laughs> not become a stalker because that's really what that book was about. And uncoupling how to survive and thrive after breakup and divorce. So where can people get these these books if they yeah, want to read? Yeah, on Amazon, yeah. And we have online support groups as well, which I set up because it's everything I wish that I'd had. Mm -hmm. So if you are going through a breakup and you're struggling and you just want to talk to like-minded people, they're all run by my coaches. They're online Zoom groups. You can definitely find your tribe with those. Um, and obviously my retreats and my training school. So that's on my website, saradavison.com. Um, and also my Instagram. I, I put loads of daily tips up there and videos. So uh, that's Sarah Davison Divorce Coach. Perfect. And I'm just curious, what is your relationship like with your ex now? Do you know what? We are functionally friendly. We get on well and my son can go between. We can be in the same room. It's, it actually works really well now, but that's taken a lot of work to get to this point. Yeah. So it, I know it's not easy, but everything I learn, I always say it's a gift, you know, that going through that trauma and lots of trauma since with that relationship 
actually, if you can turn that pain into your power, which I definitely have, that's what I want to show everyone. That's the mission I'm on to, to share that you don't have to, where you start is not where you're going to end. So have hope and, and you can if you do the work. You can definitely get there. Well, Sarah, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your information that you've given to people today. You're very helpful. And I hope people will reach out to you. Oh, thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you so much for listening to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating and review. You can support the show by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. Do you have ideas for the show or want to reach out? Email us at info misunderstoodpodcast at gmail.com. That's spelled M-I-S-S understood. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Misunderstood.